Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's that week. It's the week of the 50th year of hip-hop. Finally here, finally made it. And we're going to talk about that. Know that for sure. So, in the words of Public Enemy's Chuck D, bring the noise. FM Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good couple of weeks in the current circumstances. Obviously, uh, dropped a couple of interviews in the past couple of weeks um, with Yorny Blue, J Flames, and Ason. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys got something from them. Two very fascinating interviews from two very, very different. Uh, well. Two in one interview, but, you know, different sets of people. And um, just from different walks of life. And uh, that's why, you know, interviews are so fun. Because every time is somebody completely different, with a completely different sound or completely different uh, artistry and just completely different beings. And that's what we're here for. Um, but, yeah, man, we're back back at it. Uh, regular programming. Also, I've got, this is going to be very hip-hop heavy um, for obvious reasons. Got a couple of things to talk about. Um, more, you know, just um, general uh, in the world of hip-hop. But, you know, I'm going to finish off with a little bit of just, um, I don't know, just a little bit of freestyle thoughts, you know, towards 50 years old, 50 years of hip-hop and uh, just, uh, you know, just general thoughts that I'll, that will... Uh, what am I going to say? Who knows? Because I, I generally don't. <laughs> I just have, I just now have carved out a segment for me to just talk about the 50th anniversary here, Bob, which is happening tomorrow as this episode drops Friday, the 11th of August. And yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that. But for the rest of the show, we have, um, like I said, um, beat hip hop heavy. So we have two more. Um, hip hop segments, making it three out of the four, and uh, we'll begin with something uh, completely different or completely just um, you know outside the purview of hip hop, but um, something that I feel is well, as as I do with pretty much everything I talk about on this show, is because I want to talk about it. Um, so so you know, buckle up as always. Uh, but yeah, let's let's jump right in. Waste no time. Formalities for we begin. Email socials write in all that all that all that in the description in the full show notes as well as the music and podcast under the 5 vpn and with that said let the beat drop and let's get into the show In a week where former Pakistan PM Imran Khan is sentenced to three years in jail, and another Pakistan story, uh, over th- at least 39, over 100 injured after a train derails, uh, Niger goes into limbo as they expect uh, foreign intervention after an internal coup, um, and also to uh, ECOWAS, um, the kind of like uh, African, uh, kind of like African EU. I have no idea. I'm just taking a complete guess on what that is. Um, but yeah. 
um i'm seeing it's like economies of uh africa and yeah so uh they they did they they gave him some threats they gave him a week and niger was like or oh, what um and nothing happened so uh that remain that hence remains in limbo um the first of the bibi stockholm barge i've called them prisoners um taken on board for those that don't know uh, for those that haven't kept up the story um well I would have probably talked about it by now, but I've been doing interviews. Uh, basically, Bibi Stockholm, just a annoying ass, annoying ass name, just uh, just for something that is so demonic. Um, but basically, it's just like a, it's a boat, um, and they're gonna hold, and the UK government is gonna hold refugees there, um, which is basically a sea prison. Um, they can't leave, and nothing. They just have to be there. Um, so it's basically a sea prison. Um, and lastly, DJ Casper, cha-cha sly pioneer, dies age 58. If you have not jammed to the cha-cha slide ever in your life, what have you been doing? Like, genuine question. Um, the amount of times I used to answer that in high school, uh, not in high school, but in primary school especially. Gosh, damn. Just, uh, to the lift. Take it now, y'all. Two halves is a bit. It's go. It's go. It's just go. It's a go. Um, I saw a. I saw a. Um, a. Um, I saw like a news piece, like a recent news piece, uh, with him, and he was basically uh, talking about the origins of Charger Slayer. And he was like, "I just made it for an aerobics thing for my uh, five fingers, like for his nephew or for like a young kid or something." And I was just like, "Absolutely outstanding!" Just, <laughs> just, a, just a. And it feels like a. It feels like a kid thing, right? It's just like hip hop for kids kind of vibe. But you know who doesn't dance to Cha Cha Slap and who doesn't who doesn't bop to that absolute banger, absolute banger. So, R.I.P. DJ Casper. Um, so let's begin with a media topic. Um, this is uh, something that I wanted to talk to talk about um, in the in the wake of the uh, passing of Sinead O'Connor. Um, I have I, I'm not really clued up on a Sinead O'Connor that hard. Um, after kind of um, you know, she kind of went into. Uh, uh, kind of came out of you know, quote unquote pop stardom uh, during the two thousands and definitely the past decade. Um, so you know I'd never really had a reason to look her up. Um, you know I, I was aware of the SNL thing, the performance and ha- that what happened there, um, and the Public Enemy uh stencil she put on her head once. Um, but yeah, past that I haven't listened to her music or nothing like that. But it was easy to gather that um, even through her death, um, she was still getting dis- disrespected because, um, for one thing, the media um, in the media in the UK um, it's just was just well, especially England. Let's just be specific. Um, was really cruel to her um, for during her life, and um, really, it just uh, it, it's kind of a you know, it's kind of gross to have. Um, someone die, and then all the tabloids that used to just constantly shit on her anytime she did anything, just shit, 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 just crapping on her all the time. And now she's dead. Um, everyone's like trailblazer icon. No, no, no. It's like no, no, no. That's not what you said twenty years ago. Um, that wouldn't be what you said if she was alive. If she was alive, like you're not, you you wouldn't be saying all this. You're only saying it now because she's dead. And it's just gross. It's just really gross. So um, I found this piece um, talking about just journalism in general with it within the lens of uh, the death of Sinead O'Connor. 
This uh, is by Alice Watkins via Byline Times. It's called Tackling the Press. Abuse of women is a long overdue first step to changing how they are publicly perceived. So let's jump right. Following the death of Sinead O'Connor, newspapers have been leading gushing tributes to the singer and songwriter. Tabloid reports have praised her as iconic and fearless, pointing to her quote-unquote social impact and how she used her platform for activism. But while O'Connor was alive, the press refused to champion her for speaking out on serious issues. Instead, it ridiculed and even demonised her. In her third year career, the Irish singer was subject to abusive press coverage and a level of scrutiny beyond that afforded to elected politicians. In death, she has become a boundary-breaking icon. But while she was alive, those same newspapers deemed her troubled and her activism controversial. His pattern of hypocrisy is something we've seen we've seen countless times before. Amy Winehouse, Caroline Flack, Paulie Yates, Whitney Houston, all depressing examples of women who have been publicly shamed and abused by newspapers. As part of a wider report on misogyny in the press, Hacked Off, established in 2011, following the phone hacking scandal which uh, campaigned for a free and accountable press, in partnership with Fawcett Society, spoke to experts and held a debate in Parliament to highlight the issue. The report focused on the highly personalised scrutiny of women in public life, the impact of language, use of images, and sexist stereotypes in newspaper reporting. Author Melanie Sykes spoke at an event at the event in Parliament about her experience in the hands of tabloids, specifically the Sun. Oh, of course, the Sun. Who else? Uh, for whose focus targeting of her said she was particularly restless, relentless, and abusive. Uh, quite Oz named Manny to Mel at the start, she recalled. They hassled me throughout my pregnancies, and once I decided to end my unhappy marriage, they published that I was divorcing my husband because he didn't earn enough money, even though I was a breadwinner and was getting out of a situation that was not good for me. Before the ink was dry on my divorce papers, the slut shame returned, and the money-hungry slur was back, unquote. Journalists from 1990s and 2000 often say they were simply feeding the public demand, or celebrity fall from grey stories. But, quote, why are we still seeing it happen today if everything has changed, Sykes asked. She claimed she experienced skewed sexist reporting when promoting her book following an interview with The Guardian by a, quote, female journalist who had read my book and wanted to talk to me about the writing process and the positive messages to women, unquote. When it was published the next day, none of that messaging was mentioned, and the journalist even messaged Sykes to apologise, as the article had been taken uh, from her and edited to now include a clickbait-style misleading headline that Sykes had left TV for a man. Quote, they use women journalists as bait to get a quote, which in their eyes validates the printing of the story, she said. Or worse, they get women writers to do the dirty work for them, she said. Of course, journalists don't have a duty to write nice things about people in the public eye, but they should have duty have a duty to observe professional standards and not bully. For Emma Jones, a journalist and hacked off board member, quote, women's, women's distasteful treatment by the press goes far beyond the acceptable standards we should accept in modern society. The powerful newspaper narrative, which we consume daily, can be perilously out of step with progressive thinking, perpetuating disempowering representations of women which are harmful and regressive, unquote. Award-winning podcast hosts, Helena Wadia and Mith- I'm going to say Matilda, because there's a H in the middle, but I'm going to say Matilda Madison, uh, shared some of their key findings in the report from their recent monitoring of domestic violence stories in the press. They have found new evidence of inaccurate reporting every day. Quote, only recently, look at the example of Emma Pattinson, uh, uh, murdered by her husband, but with coverage which appeared to blame her success for her own murder, with the newspaper suggesting that her husband killed her 
because he was jealous of her career, and she should, we are left to assume, have realised her place was at home, Wadia said. Domestic violence campaigners argue that how these risk, how these cases are reported on could put women uh, more at risk of abuse. Quote, the press plays a vital role in holding a powerful, the powerful to account and can be a crucial ally in the fight for fair and just society, including on the issue of gender equality, Conservative MP Caroline Noakes, who wrote the reports forward. But when it comes to coverage about women in public office, on too many occasions, newspaper reporting has fallen short, she added. Quote, no one expects an easy ride in politics, but it's reasonable to expect to be judged on performance rather than appearance. Civil society and individuals with a lived experience of press misogyny have all have a role to play in improving press reporting on these important issues, unquote. The only way press coverage will improve in this area is if journalists listen to the experts on misogyny and domestic violence reporting and act on the evidence by implementing a framework of regulation which ensures that the interests of women are properly protected. They can start by following guidelines issued by Level Up, which in 2018 developed guidelines in consultation with academics in the field and victims' families. Despite acknowledging these guidelines on its website, the press regulator Ipso has refused to update the editor's code, meaning that journalists are under no obligation to hold, uphold these standards in their reporting. But this comes as no surprise because the editor's standards code is actually written by the editors of newspapers themselves. <laughs> That's great. I love when I love when the people with the power write the rules. I, just, I love it. It's great. It's you know it's it's great. It's it's good. Like the editors write the editors code. Yeah, of course. Well, well, well wouldn't they? Um, newspapers themselves and packed with loopholes to avoid meaningful. <laughs> there you go. Meaningful change which might address issues and help victims. Ipso has only ever upheld one complaint of sexism in the press in its entire history following outrage after The Sun published a column by Jeremy Clarkson on how he would like Meghan Markle to be attacked with excrement in the street. Oh, that was a fun time, wasn't it? While improving press coverage won't dismantle the problem of widespread societal misogyny overnight, it is an important and long overdue first step to changing the way women are publicly perceived. Women, as well as the public, need better protections from press abuse an intrusion so that being in the public eye does not mean being subject to reprehensible bullying. Until legislators act to bring all major newspapers into the Leveson recommended system of regulation, cases of misogynistic reporting will sadly continue. Um, so I find that interesting how, um, and I will say full disclosure, Alice Watkins is hacked off senior campaigns and research officer. So uh, worth saying, but I find that, I find that last bit very, very interesting. Um, Leveson recommended system. Um, I don't remember specifically when the Leveson inquiry happened. I'm just going to look it up right quick because I know it was long enough ago for it to have been implemented. You know, like, okay, so uh, Leveson inquiry, uh, 2011 and hearings held throughout 2012. Right, so... It's been nearly 10 years since that inquiry and we're still not doing anything pertaining to the recommendations. So what's going on? Why is the likes of Caroline Noakes and MP, you know, agreeing with all of this, right? And um, it's probably been, you know, a uh, a victim of it. Um, so why why are people, what, what, what's the lack of movement here? You know what I mean? Like, what, what's the lack of movement? 
Um, I feel like this would benefit politicians, would it not? If uh, you know, you made some recommendations on, you know, just well, how about not giving, not letting the editors make the editors' code? How about you know, someone else, like a, I don't know, like a uh, impartial body, maybe? Hmm? That'd be that'd be a good shout, wasn't it? Uh, great shout by me, but you know, <laughs> wishful thinking, right? Um, but I just find that, yeah, just incremental, man. Everything's so fucking incremental. Um, I don't know why the, the, there's been recommendations for sitting there for 10 years and nothing's happened since. Um, or something, or things have happened, maybe society or whatever, but um, lawfully has not. Doesn't make sense to me. Um, but yeah, the definition of Connor obviously is a catalyst for this conversation. Um, but like the, like the article said, there's plenty of examples that you can name um, of women being demonized in the media. And uh, it's gross. It's really, really gross. Um, hence, it's probably the. It, I mean, it's a it's a long it's a long list of um, things that tabloid uh, newspapers have done in terms of just things that garbage things they have done. But yeah, just um, the 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 outright hatred for women, the outright misogyny in especially tabloid press is so so evident. And has been for a while. Um, I just don't, and you know, it was this ain't the two thousands anymore, right? That 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 decade was so hyper, um, just 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 injected with uh, just an extreme amount of rabid energy when it comes to uh, tabloid newspapers and how they were just constantly constantly reporting on celebs and just you know, hence phone hacking, right? <laughs> it's just. The whole thing's just gross. Um, and while it's not like that anymore, it's still gross. You know what I mean? It's um, it's like that Malcolm X quote. I've mentioned it before. But, you know, you stab somebody in the back, you pull out eight inches. Uh, you, put, you stab somebody in the back, eight inches, you pull out four. It's still in there. You still need to pull the knife out and seal the wound. So when, when, whenever you guys want to pull the knife out, feel free. So let's uh, begin our hip-hop-leaning uh, episodes um, and kind of, you know, conjoining with uh, conjoining with the previous segment, I think, uh, pretty well. Uh, we're talking about misogyny in some fashion. Um, but this is about Tory Lanez, who got put in jail for 10 years, uh, as, a, as I record yesterday. Um, and happy days. But um, there are... Plenty of people that will be named in this article and really need to give a public apology. Um, I I feel because um, the abuse that Megan Stallion has gone through in these past years over this Tory Lanez case and her getting shot, um, there's just been a whole lot of disgusting, uh, disgusting rhetoric and disgusting uh, just things put towards uh, Megan Stallion that is just uncalled for. Um, so this article is by Candice Marie Benbo uh, it's, uh, via M- MSNBC. It's called Celebs Who Pick Tory Lanes Over Megan The Stallion Need a Reckoning Too. Says John Bryan. More than seven months after hip-hop recording artist Tory Lanez was convicted in the 2020 shooting uh, of hip-hop megastar and three-time Grammy winner Megan The Stallion, a judge sentenced him Tuesday to 10 years in prison. 
In December, a Los Angeles jury found the Canadian-born Lames, whose real name is Daystar Peterson, guilty of three felony counts. Assault with a semi-automatic handgun, unregistered firearm in a vehicle, and discharging a firearm with gross negligence. The 10 years Los, uh, the 10 years Los Angeles, LA County Superior Court Judge David Hereford gave Lanes Tuesday was less than, 13, less than the 13 years requested by prosecutors. On Monday, the first day of Lanes' sentencing hearing, Los Angeles County Deputy District Attorney Kathy Tarr read into the record uh, a, stead, a statement from Megan, quote, since I was viciously, viciously shot by the defendant, I have not experienced a single day of peace, she wrote. She also wrote, Slowly but surely I'm healing and coming back, but I'll never be the same. Megan testified during Lanes' trial, but said in her statement that she eventually decided not to appear in the sentencing because she, quote, simply could not bring myself to be in a room with Tori again, unquote. The 10-year sentence is an appropriate one. It sends a message that you can't harm someone and not be held accountable. This is Lane's own doing, and now he will have about a decade to reckon with that. Lanes' sentencing is the latest development in one of the most contentious periods in hip-hop history, when many of the most notable men in the genre chose to rally around a fellow male artist accused of violence and not a fellow female artist who said she'd been shot by him. What does that mean? What does it mean for black women fans of hip-hop that, at the same time the 50th anniversary of the art form is being celebrated, one of hip-hop's biggest stars continues to see hip-hop's biggest influences rally around her assailant, put her on visual tr- virtual trial, and find her guilty. As a black woman who remembers sneaking into my cousin, cousins David and Eric's room as a kid to learn the lyrics to It Takes Two by Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock, I find it difficult to celebrate this golden anniversary, because even though it's turning 50, hip-hop doesn't seem to have matured. In his song Circo Loco, a collaboration with fellow rapper 21 Savage, Drake called Megan a liar. This bitch lie about getting shot, but she's still a stallion. She don't even get the joke, but she's still smiling. Mays' fellow Canadian rapper sings. Uh, Drake was one of several prominent men in hip-hop who accused her of lying. Hip-hop podcasters and bloggers, including Joe Budden, DJ Academics, used their large platforms to vilify her. But Budden later apologised for joking about Megan's mental health as, she, as he doubted her claims of being shot by Elaine's. Future NBA Hall of Famer LeBron James went out of his way to let us know that he is Team Lanes. Responding to a tweet claimed Lanes made good music, makes good music, James responded, Facts! He never misses. That boy talented as hell, man. Bangers for days. Thanks, LeBron. Academics and Megan engaged in a heated exchange on social media before a scheduled pre-trial court hearing even began. Uh, academics falsely claimed on Twitter that there'd been a bombshell revelation that exonerated Lanes. Megan tagged him when she responded on Instagram, you're trying to win a social media campaign, this is my real life. You're trying to get retweets, spreading false narratives. As recently as last month, Academics said he still has his doubts that Lanes is guilty. I mean, that's like one in the hundreds, uh, hundred point long list of why Academics is a trash human being. But whatever. Uh, black women are three times more likely than other women to be killed by current or former partners. Even if black people don't know the exact statistic, they likely know of black women who have been hurt or killed by their partners. That's why I never bought the idea that the hip hop community believed Megan was lying about what she said happened to hurt the hands of someone with whom she'd been intimate with. I figured the hip hop artist dogging Meg knew she was telling the truth, but succumbed to what can be an overwhelming sentiment that we must protect and defend black men at all costs. 
I think I said this. I think I said this kind of thing in my hip hop essay, which I've linked in the description. I posted it in January. Please go give it a spin and look up whatever the chapter number it is on hip hop and black men. I think this is close. Thank you, Miss Benbo, for 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 vindicating my point or for uh, for uh, amplifying my point. Um, but yeah, overwhelming sentiment: we must protect and defend black men at all costs, even when black women and black children are the victims. I mean, isn't that why so many refuse to stop supporting R. Kelly? In my lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen a black uh, ever seen black people overwhelmingly stand with black women victims with their assailants when their assailants are black men, and that makes me sad. The idea that protecting abusive men is more important than protecting or defending the abused makes it harder sometimes to rock to the beat. Because this isn't hip-hop's first account of intimate part of partner violence or men in hip-hop attacking women in general. There, are, there were stories in early years, such as Dr. Dre's 1991 assault of Dee Barnes, a journalist whose only crime was being a black woman who was good at her job. According to media reports, Dr. Dre assaulted Barnes because she previously interviewed former NWA member Ice Cube and in this segment Cube had less than flattering remarks for his former bandmates. Instead of addressing Cube, Dre took his frustrations out on Barnes. Dr. Dre pleaded no contest to attacking Barnes and was given two years probation and some community service. Quote, ain't no big thing. I just threw, threw, her, threw her through a door, Dr. Dre said of Barnes in, <laughs> then in an interview with Rolling Stone. Oh, just bowling someone through a door. Not much. Yeah, that's calm. Jesus Christ. In 2015, the film's trailer Compton was rightly criticized for leaving out Dr. Dre's attack on Barnes and the allegations of abuse from R&B singer Terry B., and Dr. Dre's former girlfriend, R&B singer Michelle A. That's when Dr. Dre finally paid lip service to owning up to what he'd done. In a statement to the New York Times that year, he blamed alcoholism and said, quote, I apologise to the women of her, I deeply regret why I did, and know it has forever impacted all of our lives. Unquote. Such an apology was too little and almost a quarter century too late. That's why it's such an offence in February to acknowledge the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, the Grammys honoured Dr. Dre by presenting him its inaugural Global Impact Award. Not only that, the Grammys named that award for him. Barnes couldn't believe it. She told Rolling Stone, quote, you might as well call it the Ike Turner Award. <laughs> That's great. I'm not the bad guy, but I'm made into the villain very much like how they did Megan the Stallion. I watched what happened to my little sister Megan, and it was just heartbreaking to me because we have not changed in all these years, unquote. Lane's being sentenced in, at the same time as the genre's uh, golden anniversary is fitting. Instead of seeing his violence against a woman as a stain on the record or a blip on the radar, let us view Lanes' attack on Megan and hip-hop's support of him as yet another notch in hip-hop's belt. This is what it wants to be. Women have left an indelible mark on hip-hop. We should salute and applaud them. But we should also recognise that they've achieved what they have despite the sexist and patriarchal environments they have been in. Environments that have so often been indifferent, if not openly hostile to their success, their safety and their survival. What is hip hop? What is hip hop communities? Uh, hip hop's community going to do as it begins its next fifty years to ensure that women will be valued? What are the genre's influences going to do to change a culture in which abusers aren't just protected, but are too often celebrated? Though is silent through his silence on behalf of those who've been abused and its open affirmation of abusers. Hip-hop makes it clear that, to borrow from an infamous bar in Jay-Z's song 30-something, they don't respect the ones who's got the shot, they respect the shooters. I can still recite a text to word for word. I still have fond memories of how hip-hop shaped my youth and young adulthood. 
but I don't see the world with the idyllic eyes of a child anymore. There are very few spaces where black women are safe, and the horrible response to Lane's shooting uh, Meg is proof that hip-hop in all this time still isn't one of them. And it's a very scathing piece, and um, I think a very worthy critique. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with everything uh, Miss Bembo said uh, on that piece. And um, like I said, you know, I've kind of um, I've broached this topic several times, um, done it on writing, done it in on episodes of digging in digits. Um, I've you know talked about this till I'm blue in the face because. It really is something, a, a very significant ill that hip hop has, and um, you know, obviously, it, it's not uh, hip hop is not the source of misogyny, right? Or misogyny noir in this particular case. You know, it's um, it's uh, black men in this case, black men in America slash Canada, um, you know, just ad- adhering to and embracing a demonic framework uh social framework societal framework um that demonizes black women for whenever they pipe up whenever they pipe up about something she's a liar she's a bitch like it's just and it's demonic it's demonic to um to not give a fuck about black women uh when something happens to them um it's it's <laughs> I, I said I've said gross before, pre, uh, you know, in the previous segment, but it's gross. The whole thing is fucking gross, um, and it's a stain. It's a stain on hip hop to me. Um, so, and this is the thing. I while I'll probably most likely talk positively about hip hop, um, you know, for most of my life. These these things have to be acknowledged. There are so many demonic things um, that happen in hip-hop or through the prism of hip-hop right and you know again hip-hop doesn't isn't the source of misogynoir misogyny transphobia for for another thing right the 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 hip-hop is not the source you know it's it's a um it's a societal ill that happens um in many countries in many places around the world um and hip-hop is obviously a big 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 global international uh phenomena right and if you i believe you know this is i know right if for me if i i want hip-hop to be in have this idyllic image right um and a lot of people do that but the people that also the people that do that i feel like don't acknowledge um don't acknowledge the eels. And the same way to reference back to Sinead O'Connor, funny enough, right? Um, something that I listened to a podcast um, about her um, today as I record. And um, the interesting thing about her, I find interesting, was that, and this is, you know, complexities of human right here, right? When I say this, um, she obviously did all the, you know, stuff with the Catholic Church and, um, you know, ripped up the thing, uh, ripped up the picture of the Pope in SNL, could hear a pin drop through that particular performance, right? At the end of that, everyone was just shocked as shit, right? It was an absolutely crazy moment, right? And then she got ordained as a priest, right? Confusing, right? But why let a, and I'm not, 
just so just so you know, I'm not comparing hip hop to Catholicism, right? Hip hop is not a faith, right? But hip hop can be something you know very um, influential, but maybe more influential than religion. Who knows, right? Um, it's definitely influenced me more than religion. Know that for fucking sure. Um, so you know, with that said, why can't I critique hip hop but also be a participant? You know, that's that's the that's the I hate how people have these zero sum black and white arguments. It's dis- it's disturbing. If it, I lo- I love you know I I I respect LeBron James, but that was fucking wild. He should apologize. I need LeBron James to say something, otherwise I'm gonna look at him funny. If I ever meet him in person, I'm gonna be like, "Yo, that shit about Meg." Like I don't care. Like and and this is the thing, right? You can like Tory Lanez, but also. You can like Tory Lanez's music, but also think that you know Tory Lanez should Tory Lanez should be in jail. How about that? You know you can do both. You can do both. Now I don't listen to Tory Lanez. I don't want to, and that's my that's me. But you know if people want to listen to Tory Lanez, go off. And the sad thing is, is that um, for this, I guarantee, I pretty much guarantee. I'm not, I haven't checked, but I'm going to guarantee that during all this, I bet his numbers have gone up. On average, I bet it's not his listening numbers have gone up because people are just spiteful. People are just spiteful. Um, country singer um, says it says the N word. That person goes to number one because people are so fucking protective over shit, um, and it's really disturbing. You can be critical about the thing you love, believe it or not, guys. That's the that's the lesson I want to impart on everybody as we continue this. Uh, little hip-hop celebration i've got going right here um but anyway let's continue on to the next segment um something a bit more uh, something a little more softer a little more um a little more uh uh yeah just a little bit more fun let's do it Education was the word I was looking for throughout <laughs> that last bit. I was just like trying to think of words. I was like, education. A little bit more educational, I guess. Uh, a little edutainment for you. Um, but yeah, I found this in the just a couple of days ago. And I was like, oh, damn, this is going to be sick. Yeah, let's go for it. Because I, you know, this is something that I don't think I've kind of read before. It's kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, this is uh, via the conversation. It's uh, by uh, Suad Abdul Kabir, um, Associate Professor of American Culture at the University of Michigan. Um, and it's called Knowledge of Self, How a Key Phrase from Islam Became a Pillar of Hip-Hop. Absolutely love it. Big up, uh, Miss uh, Abdul Kabir. Uh, so let's try home. I was nine years, nine years old uh, when Eric B. and Rakim's Payton Fall dropped. I have vivid memories of the bass-laden track booming out of car stereos and hearing it on black radio, like Kiss FM's Top 8 at 8pm countdown. On the track Move the Crowd, Rakim, also known as the God MC, rhymes, quote, All praise is due to Allah, and that's a blessing, unquote. Growing up as a black Muslim in the Crown Heights neighborhood of Brooklyn, I was already familiar with the phrase. Like all Muslims, I learned to say it during my daily prayers and as, and as an expression of gratitude. But when Rakim laced those words into the lyrics of what ultimately became a popular song, he affirmed what I was seeing around me in my Brooklyn community that Islam and Muslims were prominent features of black life. Rakim dropped another familiar phrase in the song, Knowledge of Self. 
With knowledge of self, there's nothing I can't solve. At 360 degrees, I revolve. This is an actual fact. It's not an act. It's been proven. Indeed, and I proceed to make the crowd keep moving. When Rakim extols the benefits of knowledge of self to himself as an MC and a human being, he is drawing on a philosophy that has been critical to black Islam, a term I use to describe to the different forms of Islamic belief and practice found in black America. Knowledge of self comes from this tradition, beginning roughly a century ago, which has become known for advancing black consciousness, resistance and redemption. Knowledge of self is an ethical pursuit to understand one's place in and relationship to the world in order to positively change it. In my 2016 book, Muslim Cool, uh, Race, Religion and Hip-Hop in the United States, my, my, uh, bookmark that, uh, put that on the wish list, I demonstrate how knowledge of self is fundamental to hip-hop. It is often described as hip-hop's fifth element. Hey, let's fucking go! The others being DJ seeing arriving. I love this woman already. She just named she just named knowledge as fifth element hip-hop. Fucking... Do you understand how many people in hip-hop don't actually label the fifth element being knowledge? Like, this is, like, yeah, this is my connection, I guess. This is my connection. I fully believe that, um, I fully believe that, you know, the, and the fact that I'm just about to gain the knowledge of, <laughs> of fucking, uh, of, of it, of it being, you know, really connecting and uh, connecting to Black Islam. I'm I'm literally this is I'm freshly learning right here, ladies and gentlemen. So this is actually really important. I'm really I'm really guessed that I'm, this is actually happening right now. So <laughs> let's freaking do it. Let's let's do it. Okay. I was I got really guessed there. Which is said hip hop's fifth element. I just got oh guess guess guess. All right. Well, the phrase and the consciousness uh, that it represents have been mentioned in too many songs to count. Uh, from Public Enemies' Fight the Power to Lauren Hill's Doo-Wop. And Tyler Kweli's KOS determination. His history shows the term has been a part of Islamic literature, excuse me, for nearly a millennium. For example, the first chapter of the celebrated 12th century Islamic scholar Abdu Hamid al Ghazali's famous text, The Alchemy of Happiness, is titled The Knowledge of Self. In my book, I make the case that Islam, specifically black Islam, gave hip hop knowledge of self. Rakim's reference to knowledge of self being an actual fact is a nod to the actual facts of the quote lost on lost found Muslim lessons unquote the catches catechism uh, taught by Master W D Fard Muhammad uh, who founded the Nation of Islam on July fourth, nineteen thirty. Master Fard taught these lessons to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, who would become the religious movement's leader. These lessons are fundamental to the way that the Nation of Islam understands the world and the role of black people in it. The lessons are also studied by the Nation of Gods and Earths, a related spiritual path of which Rakim is a member. Knowledge of self comes to hip-hop through these lessons. And um, if you listen to Digging in Digits, um, I, li- I did a most recent one, did a uh, weekly music roundup, and... Uh, Listen to the EP uh, by Backward Sweetie. Shout out to a friend of Ivy Backward Sweetie. Um, and she did an EP called um, Ancestral Aspect. And the whole EP was kind of based on the nations of God's, God's nerves. You know, it was like, I labeled it as like a starter pack. Um, and it really is. It's, it's really educational. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, this, this links to that. It's amazing. Love it. Uh, Rocket was not alone. During the Golden Age of Hip Hop, a period from about the mid 
1980s through mid-1990s, rappers influenced by Black Islam steadily proclaimed their knowledge of self in their music. Big Daddy Kane declared there's no pork on my fork, an acknowledgement of the Islamic injunction against the consumption of swine. The poor righteous teachers gave the Arabic greeting. I, I need someone to say it like so I can repeat it, but assalamu alaikum. I, I'm, I probably butchered it. I'm going to continue embarrassingly. With the time of Harlem's uh, Masjid Malcolm Shabazz in the background in the music video for Rock This Funky Joints. And from Brooklyn to the California Bay, acclaimed MCs like Guru and local acts were rhyming about, quote, praying to the East, unquote, a reference to the Muslim practice. Long before rappers spoke of knowledge of self in the 1980s, the Honorable, Honorable Elijah Muhammad expounded on the term in his book, Message to the Black Man in America, released in 1965 at the height of the civil rights movement. In it, he emphasized black self-reliance with knowledge of self being a key component. Quote, the so-called Negroes must be taught and given Islam, Muhammad wrote. Why Islam? Islam, because it teaches the first knowledge of se- teaches first the knowledge of self. It gives us the knowledge of our own. Then, and only then, are we able to understand that which surrounds us, dot, 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 this kind of thinking produces an industrious people who are self-independent, unquote. In some ways, it comes as little surprise that a term promulgated uh, by a fierce advocate of self-reliance in the mid-1960s would be so wildly embraced, widely embraced, sorry, by hip-hop shortly after it was born as a counterculture in the early 1970s. When Black Islam helped hip-hop culture cultivate knowledge of self, it created an aspiration arguably unique for contemporary popular music as a whole to not just rhyme about it or write graffiti about it and so on, but to apply it in real life. As a result, knowledge of self became hip-hop's consciousness, emphasizing an awareness of injustice and the imperative to address it through uh, both personal and social transformation. Critically, this consciousness, while informed by black Islam, is embraced by hip-hop community members of all stripes. The consciousness led to different forms of hip-hop-based activism, songs against gun violence like Stop the Violence Movement, Self-Destruction, and We Are All In The Same Gang by the West Coast All-Stars. Self-destruction opens, not inconsequentially, with a sample of a speech by Malcolm X, the one-time spokesman for the Nation of Islam and icon of Black Islam. The consciousness also contributed to the formation in 2004 of the National Hip-Hop Political Convention, which set the stage for other, albeit less radical and comprehensive engagements with politics by the hip-hop generation, like the Vote or Die campaign and the push for Obama in 2008. Nearly 10 years later, this consciousness was on display at the 2017 Grammy performance by a tribe called Quest, Buster Rhymes, and consequence, that was an open call to resist in the Trump era. This consciousness also continues to inspire the many organizations like Kumba Links and the Inner City Muslim Action Network in Chicago that use hip-hop as a form of arts-based activism for youth. And, of course, it remains in the music. On the track Family Feud, Jay-Z, like Rakim, praises God, but this time in Arabic. Uh, how do you say Alamud Alam Alam Du Lila Alam Du Lila Alam Du Lila Alam Du Lila There you go Mumu Fresh Big up Mumu Fresh Love you some Mumu Fresh Questions Others knowledge of self With the line Good morning sunshine Welcome to reality I tried to wake you But you were sleeping So peacefully In your fallacy Buster Rhymes dropped E-L-E-2 The Wrath of God uh, full of warnings and prophecies, and in a freestyle viewed around the world, 
uh, Black Thought rhymes about the wisdom he got at the Masjid. Uh, this consciousness is so entwined with music that Kendrick Lamar's All Right became a Black Lives Matter movement anthem. Like hip-hop, this consciousness operates globally. Take, for example, the Iraqi-Canadian Nazi, Cape Town's youngster CPT, Cuban hip-hopist Robert El Nino, and the UK's Eni, whose works track their own journey for knowledge of self. I, You know what? I never thought about that with Eni, but that's a good shout. Things have changed uh, since Rakim dropped Move the Crowd in 1987. Gentrification is pushing my community out of Brooklyn, and Islam and Muslims are more known and subject to the state and interpersonal violence of anti-Muslim racism. Yet hip-hop still affirms what I see around me. Knowledge of self is as vital as ever. Outstanding. Really good piece. Um, One of my favourite pieces this year. Um, I'm going to see what her book is saying, because that is fucking sick. I didn't actually make make that connection. I really didn't make that connection that, you know, me... And this is this is it, right? Like, I was given the name, and you know what? <laughs> Should I probably wait till the segment's over? All right, I'm just going to... Wait, where's the book? Right, 2016 book, Muslim Cool, Race, Religion, and Hip-Hop in the United States. So, um, if, you, if you're like me, give us... I'm, I'm going to try and give us a spin. It's $30 um, in the US. Uh, I'm going to see if they have it on audiobook because that'll be very much very very sick there on audiobook um but yeah big ups uh big ups to abdul kahir kabir sorry um hopefully i said the the especially the forename right is uh su uh apostrophe uh, ad so i'm saying suad but hopefully i am saying it right but yeah big ups to her man fucking love it absolutely outstanding Damn, it's not in a. It's, it, I, I, I report to you that it's not on audiobook, unfortunately. So I'm just gonna have to cop that book by myself. Uh, as a, as a oh, physical, ugh, gonna have to pop a physical book, ugh, gonna have to read it with my hands and use my hands to read it, ugh. Anyway, so we've approached um, the end um, of the episodes. Um, I'm just gonna give myself, uh, you know, 10 minutes or so, uh, about 10 15 minutes, uh, as I like to do sometimes. To talk about something in particular, and uh, obviously, uh, as I've said throughout the episode, this is a very hip hop leaning episode, and for good reason. Um, like I said, Friday the eleventh of August is uh, hip hop's fiftieth birthday, um, and I'm I'm kind of I'm 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 so I've been so up in I've been so into uh, my own personal life for the moment in this past you know couple of months that I've kind of um not given myself any opportunity to actually um really sit down and think about uh think about this milestone um you know i i i said in my essay uh, i'm paraphrasing but i said in my essay that you know i choose not to um i choose not to uh look at the people who look at the people who i um, who I see as, you know, people that are bastardizing uh, hip-hop, right? Um, 
there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of ways to consider yourself it right. Um, you know, I see myself as a student more than anything. Um, I'm constantly learning, and uh, you know, I've learned I've learned something today, as as you gathered by my upward inflection. I I I learned some shit today, and I'm very happy about that. It makes me happy every time I learn something new on wax. It really gases me up, and it really, um, and it really energizes me. It really, um, it really. Uh, upholds you know what I do and, and why I do things on the day-to-day um, you know I've been really looking at just the concept of how to live life right and uh, you know and at this point I'll be real with you I haven't been enjoying life in the past few months um, just shit has just gone down the loo in some ways for me and it was only in only in the past few couple of weeks um, that I've kind of, you know, lifted myself up out of, out of just like an inability to, um, to actually uh, do stuff uh, because I want to. And um, a lot of that is obviously due to, you know, well, due to, due to a lot of things, which I won't go into. But the point I'm making is, is that I haven't really given myself enough opportunity uh, to really reflect on hip hop being fifty years old, and obviously I'm twenty seven, so um, more than half, well, a little less than half um, of my life um, happened. Then a little, a little less than half of hip hop um, was happening while, while while I've been alive, right? You know, obviously a lot happened before ninety six, and um, you know I'm constantly trying to seam those links you know, and to, to gain those links um, from, you know, the artists I listen to now and the artists from, and the artists from yesteryear. Um, and it's not just artistry, it's also academia, you know, knowledge of self, all that stuff. Um, I'm going to try and email Dr. Joshua Wright. I want to get him onto Boss Good. If you didn't listen to um, the uh, DITD episode with Ms. Dr. Joshua Wright last year, um, please go give that a spin because... Um, I really, I really value that conversation, um, and I really want to just talk to him overall in general, um, just about hip hop academia. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm saying it now. I'm wax. I, I usually don't like doing that um, because I don't like to say things that I want to do um, in case they don't happen. Um, but I'm after this. I'm gonna email him and I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what's up with him. But anyway, um, there's so much more to hip hop than meets the eye. And um, I feel like, you know, we focus a lot on music and we focus a lot on, quote unquote, the culture, whatever that means to you. Uh, because, you know, I, I've kind of got a bit disillusioned by the term. Uh, when I'm seeing the likes of Diddy say culture, it's just like, mm, nah, you just you just a billionaire. You, you just rich. Like, you, you know, it's, it's different. Right. But there's there's plenty of things that he could gatekeep me on. Right. Um, as a you, you don't, Charlie, you don't deserve your your culture card um, for whatever reason, right? So I don't like to, I don't like to just, uh, you know, I don't like to have that culture conversation. To be honest, uh, because it just leads to people to gatekeep the wrong thing, and uh, what we should be gatekeeping is, you know. Uh, just these these people that clearly you know use hip hop 
DJ Academics for for a great example. They just use hip hop as a as a as a vessel for their you know just shit tier human uh, human attitudes, and that's just not on to me. DJ Academics does not represent hip hop to me personally, you know, and I just don't. I choose not to engage with that kind of shit. But you know, uh, when you say hip hop culture, you also think quote unquote black culture. And that's um, you know a thing in itself. Um, being a being a guy in the UK that values hip hop, you know, there's a, we're a minority. You know, that's obvious. You know, um, there may be more uh, there might be more drill fans in the UK than hip hop fans. You know, even though drill is just significantly younger, right? It is what it is. Um, I I, I would like you enough to know the numbers of that, but um, you know, it'll be a fun poll poll to, uh, if anyone wants to do that. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's just that is what it is, and um, you know, I value I value people that just um, don't act like a fucking tool all the time. You know, you don't have to you don't have to do all this performance, and uh, I feel like a lot of people in hip hop try and do that performance, and it's just it just it makes it distasteful. Um, Hip hop as a music genre, obviously, has been very, very extremely poisoned by the uh, overall U.S. Uh, music industry, and um, that's sad. To, that's sad to see. But um, you know, while we can criticize stuff like the internet and have our critiques on that, there's been so many artists that I've gathered over the past few years for myself in terms of listening that I feel are just so fucking hip hop to the core. It's just great to me. You know, and, um, you know, hip hop as a sound is getting more experimental these days. Um, you know, until I think it was, uh, I think it was until Uzi Vert, I think, uh, someone. Yeah, I think it was Uzi Vert when he dropped his album recently. You know, there wasn't a hip hop out, there wasn't a hip hop album in the Billboard 200. Now, while, while I don't care about that, and I think I talked about it in a previous episode, while I don't really care about numbers and charts and stuff like that, it does, you know, lead to, uh, I think it warrants a conversation on something as, is hip hop past his prime? Is is hip hop on the downturn? And regardless of what happens in hip hop's popularity, I personally don't care. But you know, there's plenty of people, so many people now that use hip hop as a vessel for other things, and that's why hip hop will be alive for the rest of time. That's why hip hop is so, um, uh, hip hop is so ubiquitous. It's why hip hop is so fucking international right now. And forever will be, you know. There'll always be people in Philippines that are breakdancing, or you know, there'll always be taggers in Germany. Um, there'll always be to um, to uh, to harken back to my interview with Apex Zero last year. There'll always be Chinese hip hop uh, enthusiasts that are that are getting um, bootleg CDs uh, imported from Russia. Like <laughs> they just. There's people that are going to put in the effort just to give something a spin. And I fucking love that essence. I love that essence. I really do. Uh, I've been, I've been, I recently finished a book um, I've been reading for a while called Bomb the Suburbs by uh, William Upsky Wimsatt. And, um, you know, the, 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 the book is full of contradictions. And uh, I find, I've, <laughs> Once I got to the end of the book, I found it a little bit hilarious that the book was so contradictory. And he did say it in he did say it in the last couple of chapters that you know it, it's kind of the point that is so contradictory. 
Um, obviously, uh, the book, is, as you can imagine, bombed the suburbs. Is kind of like is is, and if you see the, um, if you see the uh, the book uh, cover, is 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 centered around graffiti, and uh, obviously that's a pillar of hip hop. And graffiti is something that still exists, and um, you know, but is very niche. Um, there's people that are in graffiti, and you know, you just don't know, um, and they they do it. I don't know why they do. It. I've really, I've, you know, I read that uh, long read on Ten Foot a few months ago. That was really enjoyable. I really loved it, and I still don't understand. And I've read the book, and I still don't really understand why graffiti artists do what they do, especially the ones that you know risk their lives to bomb a train from back in the day or freight hopping that uh, that I recently learned in the book. It's just fucking crazy, but I I love it. In I love it regardless because it's a it's a drive that. It's a drive that they have, and I have a drive. I have a different drive, um, but at the end of the day, it's all hip hop, and we all have our specific drives. Um, and the f- and the fact that I use hip hop as a vessel for you know knowledge seeking, for um, for just living life, um, fashion in some fa- in in some ways, um, and just the people who I respect. You know, I look around my. I'm looking up to my room right now. I see a autograph from Denzel Curry. Um, I see an art piece. Uh, shout out to Medina. Um, he's currently in. Uh, he's currently in New York celebrating the 50th anniversary. Big ups to him. Uh, I think his name's Mark actually, but yeah, shout out to Medina. Uh, you know, I've got that Lauren Hill stamp. I got Little Sims albums. I got Lauren Hill Mid Education sitting here. I got a shout out to Ricky, um, who I interviewed uh, years and years ago. Um, I still follow her on IG. She does great artwork on anything. Like she did, she did. I think she did like Wu Tang on toast, Ghostface on toast, and she paints vinyl and spray cans. And she just, she's an absolutely amazing artist. And uh, she gifted me, um, she gifted me a DJ Premier Gangstar uh, vinyl art piece, and I've had that on my wall. I'm looking at that right now. And um, I'm appreciative. I'm appreciative of the whole thing. Uh, like I said before, there are many, 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 many things to critique about hip hop: Misogyn- misogyny, misogynoir being a big one, capitalism being a very, very big one. Um, but you know, they're not the source, unfortunately. Um, if they were the source, I think it would be much easier. Um, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, but I, I, ch- I choose to take this moment um, to just reflect on it all. Um, and the fact that it all came out of uh, people wanting to party and DJ Cool Herc needing money uh, to get his uh, sister some school clothes. It's just, I, I love it. Just the whole, the, ho- the whole mythos of hip hop um, is something to behold. And um, I'll leave it there. Happy 50th birthday to hip-hop. Ladies and gentlemen, from the 5th and Podcast Network, I've been trying to tell you this bit more good. Intro music was too much by Vanilla. Thanks to Joe Music for being use. You can find both links in the full show notes. And thanks to friend of Ivy Nappy High with Bitty's use, Karis Mag for the interlude. You can also find his link in the full show notes. And with that said, I hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. But until next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen.